Hi, this is Angel and welcome to Spark Up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spark Up and my little corner of the podcast world. How are you? Um, This is going to be a mini Spark episode where I kind of touch on a current event or something that seems to be happening currently in the autism field or something that may affect the autism field just to keep you guys posted on what's happening. And this is a big one because it carries over from something that I actually talked about last year in a previous episode. So if you think back to, I believe the episode was called Follow the Money, and I did it in September of 2022. There was a lot of talk starting up about uh, private equity firms, which are these big, large uh, firms that invest in and buy up uh, different agencies, companies, industries, all over the place. A lot of these firms were starting to get really involved in the autism field, particularly when it came to ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis, companies and businesses. Uh, The alarm was sounded on this sometime like last year where people were starting to notice that they were coming in really strongly. And now we have an actual report that talks about uh, this, this trend and how it's actually worse than I thought it initially was. Um, I'm happy that someone actually did research. They did case studies on uh, 12 of the bigger uh, ABA companies across the United States. And that's how we kind of found this out. But again, I want to pass this information on to all of you because I think it's important for not just families to be informed, to know, to really research who owns the ABA companies that you may be thinking of working with, but also the providers. If you are working for an ABA company, you should know if it has uh, if it has ties to one of these firms. If you are looking to work at an ABA company, you should know if it has ties or has been bought out by one of these firms, just so that you have all the information that you need to make an educated decision. So let's get into it. So this report, which came from the Center for Economic and Policy Research in Washington, D.C., it came out last month, so June of 2023. The whole report is 70 pages long. I am going to actually put a link to it on my website in the news section or the blog section so that you can go and if you wish to look at it yourself, you can. Again, it's 70 pages. I am not going to go through all 70 pages in this episode. I would not do that to you. I'm going to go through the highlights and the things that I think are most important for you all to know about this report and about the state of particularly the ABA side of things when it comes to autism. So this report came out the same month that CARD, now this is not FAU CARD, so let me me pause and explain this real quick. There are two different companies that deal with autism in the United States that are called CARD. One is Center for Autism and Related uh, Disabilities. One is Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So FAU card, which is I've had folks from there on this podcast, the one that's based out of Boca Raton or any of the ones that are here in Florida that are connected to colleges or universities such as FAU. That's not the card we're talking about. They're fine. They are not in any kind of danger. They haven't been bought up by any firms. So FAU card, for those of us local here in in Palm Beach County, that's not who I'm talking about. I am talking about card that is based out of, I believe, Los Angeles, California, 
and they have sites all over the country. That card actually filed for bankruptcy last month as well. And they had been bought out some a few years ago by one of the biggest of these private equity firms called Blackstone. And if Blackstone sounds familiar, that's because they have their hands in literally everything in this country. I mean, you name it, they're involved from government down, military, they have their hands in everything. They are one of, if they're not one of, they may be the biggest private equity firm in the United States. They bought the other card, not FAU card, the other card, I believe in 2018. And then last month that card filed for bankruptcy. They had to close, uh, I think over a hundred sites across the country. And it really devastated a lot of people. That card, that other one that filed for bankruptcy, they give direct services. So they actually provide ABA services and things like that. FAU card, which is what we're familiar with here, they don't provide services like that per se. They connect families to the services. So that's the difference between the two. I just wanted to make sure that that was crystal clear. So this kind of led to a lot of us in this community starting to kind of buzz and talk about it. And then uh, Chandra from FAU card actually sent over this report to me because uh, and a few of our colleagues, because she knew that this was something that we would need to know. And I think she probably knew I was going to talk about it because I've talked about it before. So I'm going to give you guys a really quick rundown on what this report found, because I think it's really important for you to know. And again, I think it's really important to help you make informed decisions. The biggest thing that I took away from this report was that whenever a private equity firm, especially uh, these, these uh, large ones like Blackstone, came in and bought out an ABA agency or company, it usually was not for the better. If it was a smaller private equity firm, some of them actually did help the ABA companies because a lot of them were uh, the smaller ones actually may have been ones that specialize in healthcare or specialize in behavioral healthcare. So in other words, they came in and, and bought the company, but they kind of knew the field. So they knew what to do and what not to do to make that company more profitable. The larger uh, public equity firms again, have their hands in so many things that, of course, they don't know about all the ins and outs of healthcare, you know, and, and being a business in the healthcare field. Of course, they don't know all the ins and outs of, especially not ABA and certainly not autism. While smaller firms of healthcare experience and expertise did help some of these autism ABA centers, most of the buyouts that happened were from large firms that had little or no experience in behavioral health. And, you know, if someone comes in and takes over an organization and they have no idea about the field, what the organization actually does, more than likely, nothing good is going to come out of that. So as I said in last year's episode, I'm going to give you a brief history lesson. If you, it has been a while since that last episode, so I want to catch everybody up. The 2010s saw legislation that required insurance companies to provide therapies for autistic individuals. So up until that point, they weren't required by law to do that. So it was very hard for families to get access to any services that their child, teen, adult may need as far as care and therapies of any type. A lot of, after a lot of, you know, advocating and a lot of pushing, 
they finally got that legislation pushed through. The one that got the, I'd say the lion's share of that deal was ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. This one is the most profitable and it's pretty much the only therapeutic approach for autism that's universally accepted across all the insurance companies, including Medicaid. There are, and you've heard me say so many times on this, uh, on this podcast, there are a lot of different approaches and modalities that can be used when it comes to autism. I've been trained in several of them, but ABA is the one that vouched the hardest and really went in and lobbied with the insurance companies and got them all on board. So it's, it's, it's considered to be the quote unquote gold standard. The multiple hours needed for ABA, anyone who's, who's familiar with ABA, you know, usually they recommend hours. I'm not talking one hour a week. No, with ABA, you're looking at 15, 16, 25, 35, 40 hours a week of therapy. That not only is a lot of hours, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And those, those dollar bills enticed these firms to enter the autism field in mass during the late 2010s and into the 2020s. So that's the setup. That's, that's what we're looking at. Because the firms saw and realized that this was a potential moneymaker for them, that's what brought them into the autism field. They weren't even checking for this field until they saw, particularly ABA, was a potential moneymaker. So I'm going to actually quote directly from the report now because they worded it better than I could. And if there's anything that that I think may be a little hard to understand, I'll kind of quote unquote translate for you. But I want to quote directly from the report because they pretty much nailed it and I couldn't think of a better way, way to say it. So first, these private equity firms, so I'm quoting now, the private equity firms are now the largest for-profit providers at the level of the autism services segment and are driving fundamental restructuring and rapid consolidation of small providers into large national private equity-owned chains. Translation, these firms are now so involved in the ABA field that they are the main source of change within this field. They are the reason that all of these smaller ABA companies are getting bought up, absorbed into these larger chains, and and are being completely restructured. It's all be all, the the firms, the equity firms are all behind this. Continuing the quote, they have targeted providers of ABA services because this is the only approach that all state insurance mandates cover, and it often requires intensive services with associated large billing opportunities. Like I said, to to quote the rap song cream cash rules everything around me so they saw money they came flying in it gave the equity firms a bit and actually the the ABA companies too to be honest a bigger advantage because now they had more power behind them they had more money behind them but it also gave them more bargaining power to negotiate higher rates for themselves so now having these powerful equity firms behind these companies, now the equity firms could push the companies to go back and ask for more money from the insurance companies because now they have all this power behind them. If you have a firm as big as Blackstone, which again, go Google Blackstone and you'd be amazed on how many fingers they have all over the place as far as our 
society goes, especially in the United States and beyond, they have so much power. They can lobby in almost like they can get basically almost whatever they want. So you get that kind of power behind an ABA company. Oh, of course they can go to the insurance companies and negotiate higher firms. Some private equity firms have used this leverage to extract higher reimbursements under threat of closing down sites in states in which they did not get rates that they prefer. So now they're threatening. They have the power to threaten. They can literally, let's take Florida, for example. They can literally say, hey, if you don't, if the insurance companies in this state do not give us the rates that we want, then we're going to shut down the sites in your state. Oh, and by the way, they've done this. They have literally already done this. I gave the example of card again, not FAU card, the other card. They have done this where when the insurance companies didn't give them what they wanted, they closed down the sites. Who cares about the families? They don't care. It's all about the money. So the minute that, that they didn't get what they wanted, oh, they just closed down locations. And the families were left with nothing. I've seen story after story where they shut down with almost little to no warning and the families were just left with nothing. And they had to try to find out how to get services when there's no there's no providers because they've been shut down. So, um, yeah, if you need any more convincing that they don't they don't care about, you know, to quote Michael Jackson, they don't care about us uh, that they don't. Second uh, big impact that they have had on these different centers. This is at the organizational level. So the actual ABA, you know, companies level itself. Analysis of financial transactions shows that the private equity firms in this case study held on to their ABA chains for only four years on average, often reselling them to another private equity firm. This level of ownership churn increases the probability of financial instability and in turn contributes to high employee turnover. Translation, these private equity firms are coming in, buying these ABA chains and companies, holding them for maybe about four years so they can suck every bit of money they can out of it, and then they sell them to another firm. Maybe. There's a couple, I think, case studies in here where they've been sold twice. And of course, anyone who's worked in the nonprofit industry can tell you if new ownership, even in the business world, if new ownership comes in, there's probably going to be turnover because new owners come in. They have a whole different way of doing things. A lot of people aren't going to like it. They up and leave. And now you have high turnover. If this is constantly happening every four years or less, that's going to be pure chaos. And then taking it back to the family's level and the autistic individuals, any of us who have worked with autistic individuals know that transition and change is very difficult for a lot of them. So imagine if you have a child who is going through and seeing different behavioral interventionists, different uh, board certified behavioral analysts, different workers, behavioral techs, just constantly rotating out. That's going to make it very difficult for that child to be able to learn anything because every time they turn around, it's changing. So I, I want to take that very big thought of private equity firms and bring it back down to this is how it affects the actual kids teens and adults that they're supposed to be working for. At the level of care quality, I'm back to quoting, case evidence shows that post-buyout equity firm-owned ABA autism service organizations have lower levels of staffing, training, and supervision. 
leading to heightened management and staff turnover. This occurred prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and continued thereafter. So you can't blame COVID on this. Because I know a lot of people are going to try to blame COVID on this, especially the firms. This wasn't COVID. This started happening before COVID happened. It may have increased the likelihood of this. It may have made it worse. But this all started happening before COVID came into the picture at all. So what they're saying here is that these ABA agencies that are bought out by these firms consistently have lower levels of staffing, which means they don't have enough people working for them to be able to handle the the level of clients that they have, lower levels of training. So the people they do have are not being properly trained on how to work with autistic individuals and supervision. So those who are coming in and maybe trying to get certified or get a licensure there's not enough people there available to supervise, which of course is a recipe for disaster. And that's when you get the horror stories of, you know, kids falling through the cracks, uh, really poor um, experiences, really negative experiences involving, you know, providers, be it ABA or otherwise. In this case, we're talking about ABA, but understand that this is, even though this sounds like a, like I said before, even though this sounds like a really big kind of, macro level thing happening it is literally affecting families right now and in a very negative way and then my favorite point out sarcasm my favorite point uh quoting equal access to care has also been affected as some private equity owners have prioritized patients who need more intensive hours per week in order to maximize billing revenues aka maximize money while limiting or eliminating admission of those requiring fewer numbers of weekly service hours. In other words, they're cherry picking. They're picking kids or families or teens or adults who have a greater need, not because it's the goodness of their hearts, not because, oh, these are the kids that really need need us. No, because the kids that have higher hours, the teens, adults that need higher hours of service mean more money. That is the reason. It is not any kind of goodwill. It is because it maximized billing revenues, get more money. That's what that means. Continuing the quote, some private equity owned chains have prioritized patients with commercial insurance coverage over those of Medicaid. I'm not going to spell out how that could affect certain populations, but that could affect certain populations. Some have shifted resources to states with higher reimbursement levels, aka states that give more money, while decreasing services in states with lower reimbursements. These policies increase inequality in access to treatment for patients. So they're literally cherry picking who gets access to services and who doesn't. This is probably the part that really... um, I guess you could say sickened to me the most because it really brings home the level of greed we're talking about here. The fact that they are picking which patients, clients, families they're going to see based on, are you in a state where we can get more money? Do you need more hours so we can get more money? Do you have traditional commercial insurance so we can get more money. All of it 
comes down to money. So I know that sounds really, all of that super depressing. So, so what can we do to kind of combat this? Well, there are communities and organizations and groups within the autism and autistic communities who are really trying to counter this in their own ways. The biggest one, I think, is a call to have a universal system of practice and ethical like standards. There, there are those when it comes to being a board-certified behavioral analyst. They have an entire board, the BACB, the Behavioral Analyst Certification Board, who really oversee the requirements to be one, the ethical you know, guidelines, all of that. But what I think we really need and what the, the report here basically says is we need a official like guideline on ethical, you know, ethical guidelines and proper quality care across ABA centers. Because I can tell you, if you've listened to any of my previous rants about ABA, that was a big one where everyone has their own idea on how it should be executed or how it should look. And that created so much chaos. And honestly, it really kind of, if you've heard my previous episodes, you know, it kind of destroyed my viewpoint of ABA. I still don't think super, super, super highly of ABA because of that. If they got practice guidelines that went across the board, that focused on things like, as they say in the report, minimum staff client ratios, standards of care. You know, how many hours that they would, you know, accept, how many clients would they accept? What are the, you know, what kind of training should all levels of staff have at these different agencies? I think that alone would go a very long way because now the private equity firms would not be able to come in and determine that for the centers, which again, if you think back, most of these equity firms know nothing about autism, know nothing about behavioral health, and they're determining all these things, they're determining the quality of care. That's a disaster waiting to happen. So the report recommends that, and I quote, these associations should push for state legislation to establish minimum care standards for provider organizations. I agree with this 200%. I don't, and I think this should carry beyond ABA. This should be something that's just standard in the autism field. There should be minimum care standards that are universal across the entire field. It's kind of amazing when you realize there isn't, but there should be. There should be certain levels of training that people should be expected to have. There should be certain levels of client to, uh, to staff ratio, especially when it comes to autism, because a lot of the kids, teens, and adults need specialized care. And it's very hard to do if it's like, you know, 200 to like, you know, 200 people, clients to like, you know, five staff members. That, that's ridiculous. I, I definitely wholeheartedly push for this. I will add uh, one other kind of uh, call to action, though. In lieu of hearing, I've heard myself that local companies, I'm not going to say names, but I heard that local companies have also been courted to sell their agencies to these firms. I'm going to do a call out and ask, personally ask for all autism-related organizations, companies, agencies, to please stand your ground. We already have a situation where there is a major shortage of quality autism services, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about ABA. ABA, speech, 
occupational therapy, developmental services, interventions, all of that. We already have a, a shortage of that, not just in our area, but across the country. And of course, as you can guess, our minority communities are especially hit hard by these buyouts, these closings, and really, these really poor uh, services that we are getting and this really poor customer care that we're getting as a result. We deserve better. The autistic community deserves better. The autism community deserves better. So I, I really uh, ask you all to not, I, I know they dangle a big check in front of you and you're like, oh, well, this could, this could, I could go into retirement with this. I ask you to please think about the the results of this. Right now, with the card that I was talking about earlier that filed for bankruptcy in June, the original owner, the founder of that organization is now trying to buy back the company. She's trying, she's created a group and they're trying to collectively buy it back for tens of millions of dollars, I believe. I can't remember the exact number. But to me, it's like never should have let Blackstone come in there in the first place because they completely ruined that organization. I can see what ha I've seen what happens when major organizations that don't or firms that don't know about autism and really don't care to know about autism come in and take over a company like that and the destruction that it can cause, not just on the level of just money, but in reference to the families, the kids, the teens, the autistic adults. Again, we deserve better. And I'm telling you all this not to not to scare anyone, but I'm telling you this so that you're aware. Research the organizations that you go to for services, because I'm telling you right now, if they have a firm like Blackstone or something like that owning them, you may or may not get the first of all, you might not even get your foot in the door if you have Medicaid, but you may not get the level of service that you and your your family and your loved ones actually deserve to get. So um, do your due diligence. It's it's getting uh, it's getting kind of crazy out there in our field. But do your due diligence, and yeah, uh, continue listening to folks like myself <laughs> and uh, those of us who are keeping a, a you know our eye on the pulse of what's happening in the autism world, so we can relay this information to all of you because knowledge is power. And right now, again, now that. It, now it's known that autism is a money-making field. You're going to have all kinds of things coming in, all kinds of scams, all kinds of firms coming in trying to buy out. It's, it's already getting crazy. So I want you all to be aware of what's happening. And on that note, I'm going to close out this session, this episode for, for today. Like I said, I'm going to put a link to the actual report on my website. My website is www dot spark guidance so s-p-a-r-c-g-u-i-d-a-n-c-e sparkguidance.com if you go to i think it's either called the news or the blog section and it'll be there if you want to read the report for yourself you can also download it as a pdf you know if you want to do some light evening reading of 70 pages <laughs> um if you have uh, something that you'd want me to discuss or talk about related to autism or the autism field if you have a news bite, if you want to be on the podcast as, as a, a family member or a provider or anything like that in the field, let me know. You can email me. Uh, my email address is angel, A-N-G-E-L-W, at sparkguidance.com. So same spelling. 
Um, also, you can, uh, if you want to check out the uh, other episodes, previous episodes of this podcast, the podcast is directly on my website. You can also go to the official podcast website, which is www.sparkupautism, so S-P-A-R-C-U-P-A-U-T-I-S-M dot com. All the episodes are on there, including the ones that I mentioned today. I think um, the Follow the Money and previous ones where I've talked about my experiences in the ABA field. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a bit more of kind of almost like a, an informational rant, but I think that it was something that everyone needed to know. So take care. I know a lot of us are under a major heat advisory right now. Half of the country is, is burning to a crisp as we speak. So please stay cool. Uh, stay safe. Um, also during the summer, swimming wise, stay safe. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, night, week. And remember, be blessed. Don't be stressed. Bye.